Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. And this morning we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is such a powerful, impactful, rich book. And it's one of my favorite books. When I first got saved, someone told me, you need to go through to the book of John. And then uh, somebody that I looked up to who's more, you know, grown in their faith, he told me, you know what, check out the book of Ephesians because it's rich of who we are in Christ. It's rich. It tells us of our identity in Jesus Christ. And I think... We as people in general, saved, unsaved, we as people in general look to be accepted, right? We look for acceptance. We look to have security. We also look to be significant in other people's uh, lives, you know, in our kids, in our family. We look for those things. And this message this morning I titled, Accepted secured, significant. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. So I'd like to define what these are before I actually go into it. Accepted, regarded favorably, given approval or acceptance, right? We all want to be accepted. If you're married, you want to be accepted by your wife because it's not good at being a, a marriage and you guys are always butting head and you're not acceptable or having grace towards one another, right? So you want approval, especially from the person who's supposed to know you the best, your spouse, your wife, because they know everything about you, or they know everything, I mean, after being together, uh, me and Yvonne, for 20 plus years, she knows me. She knows when I'm upset. She knows when I'm happy. She knows when I'm joyful. She knows when people just bug the heck out of me. She knows me. I'll just sit there. If I'm in the surrounded by people, she'll know that I'm kind of like standoffish or, you know, I'm in a certain, you know, I just, because she knows me. And she'll come up to me, what's going on, you know, what's going on, trying to figure out what's going on. And when every time, every time I come home from work, you know, my wife is real great. I mean, women do talk more than men. I can, I can attest to that. Right, right, guys? Husbands? <laughs> I mean, I have so many words in my vocabulary. You know, I, I'm in the car business, and I have to talk for a living. Like, you guys see me, and I'm very reserved. I'm very, but in my line of occupation, like, I have to, I snooze with the best of these people. You know, I've been in sales since we moved out here in 2005. I've been in the car business. Not only that, a used car salesperson. And you know what their reputation are, right? Like used car people and used car salesmen and lawyers are like, they get bad reps, bad reputations. I see the ins and outs of that because... I'm surrounded by those type of people. I mean, there's some people that will try to get things over you. 
I'm kind of different. I'm like trying to help people get into the right situation. You know, when somebody comes to my lot and they're like, oh, I want this $20,000. I'm like, nah, you can't afford that. Let me put you in something that that's going to benefit you. Because the last thing I want to do is sell you this car and pick it up like a year later, right? So I'm very, I'm different from the way that I approach things than somebody who's not in Christ because ultimately I work for Jesus. You know, ultimately I work for Jesus. So, and that is, you know, and that's, that's my character being known to the people around me. So we want to be accepted. The next thing, we want to be secured. And the definition of secured, which I looked up, is free from or not exposed to danger or harm. Safe, dependable, firm. Security. Isn't that what we're all looking for? The American dream is to work, 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 and have security so you can enjoy life at the time of your retirement. Like Joel, we want to get to where Joel's at. Goes and plays golf. Goes gardening. Keeps his grass great. Like that's the goal for us as Americans. Like we work, we save up, and hopefully we try to raise our kids up and save some money for them to go to college and spend 50000 plus. Oh, I'm not even going to get into that. And, uh, and we want to find security, right? We want to find security in other people. We want to find security in our economic. We want to find security in our marriage, in our families. We want to find security. And then last of all, we want to be significant. Remember, accepted is given approval, being acknowledged as a person, and intimately known as a person. Now we come to significant. Here's the definition of significant. Sufficiently great, important, to be worthy of attention, noteworthy. To think of someone abundantly, lavishly, notable, noteworthy, worthy of attention, remarkable, outstanding, so I was trying to think of a, like a good illustration of this. And guess what? Last week, Jesse proposed to Talia up here. And I bet you after the proposal and everything was done, Talia felt accepted, right? Because somebody loved her enough to ask for her hand of marriage. She felt secured. Did you feel secure in that? It's like before you guys were just dating, and then he asked the question, and now you're like, oh, man, I'm really accepted. I really feel secure in this because you said yes. And you felt significant, like you were the most important person in his life right then and there. And that's how we, as God's people, should feel in our life. Because we as believers should ultimately feel accepted. Not because of relationships or other people, but because we belong to God. And we're going to see that this morning. We have been accepted. We have been secured. And we are significant because of what the Lord has done. So, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and we'll get right into our text. 
So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. This is the introduction. I'm going to break this down in like three parts. We have the introductions, verses 1 and 2. Verses 3 through 6, we're going to see God the Father planned the church. We're going to see the church was orchestrated before we were even born, before we were even alive, before we knew even time existed in what our time existence uh, thinking is all about. In verses 2 to 12, we're going to see that God, Jesus, the Son, paid the price for the church. And then last of all, verse 13 and 14, we're going to see that we are secured by the Holy Spirit. And then Paul ends in a prayer for the saints to really understand what that means from verses 15 to 23. So let's get in here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful who in Christ and faithful in Christ Jesus. So right away, we understand that Paul is the writer. Paul at this time is writing from Rome. Remember, he was arrested in Jerusalem. And he went, he uh, got arrested and he, he appealed to Caesar. And then from there, he went all the way to Rome. And this is not like Paul was in a dungeon or something terrible. He was actually a citizen of Rome, and so he appealed to Caesar, and he was able to be free um, until his time of trial came up. So this is Paul's writing. During this time, Paul wrote what we know as the prison epistles. So the prison epistles, and Ephesians was, was one of them. So a little bit about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was one of the most influential leaders of the early Christian church. He played a crucial role in spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. That's us, non-Jews, right? During the first century, and his missionary journeys took him all throughout the Roman Empire. So Paul started more than a dozen churches, and he's traditionally considered the author of 13 books of the Bible. Can you believe that? Like most of the New Testament was penned by Paul. How God used this man greatly. And for this reason, St. Paul is often considered one of the most influential people in history. He had a great impact on the world's religious landscape than any other person besides Jesus, besides the Lord Jesus. I mean, there's theology books written about what Paul writes about to the churches So sometimes we can esteem people like Paul, um, which we're not supposed to do, but God used him greatly. But before he was known as a tireless champion of Christianity, Paul was actually known for what? Persecuting the church. He was the greatest persecutor of the church because his background was Judaism. He saw this sect that was coming and converting uh, people that were in the Judaism Uh, faith into Christianity. And so he wanted to go and uh, stop that. So he was very passionate about that. And so the book of Acts tells us that Paul was even present at the death of the first Christian martyr where he approved the stoning of Stephen. And you could read about Paul, his first journey, as he appears in the Bible in the book of Acts, starting from uh, Acts chapter 8. If you get a chance, just go through that. You could read his life and actually read it from Scripture, not from other books. And then, you know, you can do a background of the type of books he wrote, which is pretty awesome. 
And so over the last thousands of years or thousand years, countless books that have been written about Paul and his teachings. So we know that Paul was an amazing man. We know that he was an enemy of Christ, but once Christ got a hold of him, he used him to bring the faith to the Gentiles, which are you and me. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So we see that it was the will of God that Paul was going to be saved to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, which are you and me, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Saints is really, I mean, some of your Bible uh, will say holy ones, set apart, you know, that's what a saint is. There's two type of people in this world, saint and ain't. You're either a saint of God, you belong to God, or you ain't. You know, we have different nationalities, we all look different, but there, when it comes down to it, there's two types of people, the saint and ain't. Okay, uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse two, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We all come come to the father through his grace. That is the only way we come to the father. Right. We understand that because there's nothing we can do. We cannot earn our way to salvation. We cannot earn our way to heaven. You can try all you want, but there's only one way. And that's through Jesus, his grace. So when you have God's grace, when you experience God's grace, you have peace, right? You have peace with God. Because if you don't know God, there is no peace to God. Because your debt, your sin are still not paid for. And so Paul makes that available. Hey, grace to you and peace. And that was a common greeting in that day. Verses 1 to 3, I'm going to read uh, verses 3 to 6, and we'll go back and go over some points I want to make. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So back in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, man, we praise God for the blessing of his grace and we turn our worship back to him because he's blessed us with grace in order to come to know him. So Paul is saying, we bless God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because why? Because he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Guys, he's given us everything that we need to live in this life. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to give us material things. Our blessings are where? We see in Scripture, our blessings are spiritual in Jesus. If you are in Jesus, you have been blessed by God. You have been saved. You have been redeemed. Because if you're not in Jesus, you're still in your sin. What are you going to do with all the wrongs? There is a judgment coming. And God the Father appointed Jesus to be the judge. And what are you going to do with the sin that you have? Because God said, in order to enter into my heaven, you have to be perfect. He cannot look at sin. But yet, he made a way. And so, we we blessed God for that. Blessed is praise. It could be defined as praise, honor. You speak well of somebody, right? When you want to bless, like, you know, 
oh, God, bless brother so-and-so in this situation. You speak well of them. You want them to really get what God wants for them in what they're going through. So that's what that means. He who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Spiritual blessings is in Christ. It's not anything that we see on this earth. As you can see right there, spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. When you are in Christ, in Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him, you've got all the spiritual blessing that we have. Paul is telling them. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That just amazes me. God chose us. God chose you before what? Before the foundation of this world. Before this world was formed, God chose us to be part of his kingdom. God chose us to be his children. That's his love for you and I. Because he knew we were going to mess up. He knew when he created Adam and Eve, they were going to mess up. Before he even created them, he had a plan to redeem his people back to him. How great is God? He chose you. And I'm thinking like, man, wasn't it pretty cool, you know, when you were like a kid or in high school or whatnot, when somebody chooses you, it's like, oh, man, you feel accepted. It's like, man, you feel, you feel like, man, they, they, they chose me. Like, man, I, I, I feel good about that. Don't you guys feel good? You know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm from a big old family, and, uh, you know, every, every now and then, my parents would take us out, and my mom, she is so loving, you know, she's very religious, very spiritual woman, and she'll, and I know she does this because I've heard it from my other siblings, um, she'll take like, you know, one of us out just by ourselves, even though we're from a big family, and she'll make you feel special, like, you're the favorite. But she'll never tell you that, but you felt it. And so I would go back and, you know, and it's nothing extravagant. I mean, we weren't rich and whatnot. You know, she'll take us to McDonald's. Hey, how you doing? This is what, you know, your dad, you know, my father was in the Marines. He was overseas. And so she parent like a bunch of kids, not only us, but also uh, my immediate, like, cousins, this stuff, they would come over. But she would take the time out to make every one of us feel special. And I felt chosen. I felt like, man, my mom really loves me. And that's an encouragement for us to look outside of, you know, what's going on in our lives and choose people in our sphere that we can impact, you know, as believers, I mean, we're not a big church. When was the last time you invited somebody over to, you know, have dinner? That's a brother or sister. I mean, even though we're going through this COVID thing, you know, when was the last time that you did something special for someone, bringing them a burrito before church or buying them a drink? You know, it makes us feel good. It makes us feel, man, they really love us. And yet God shows us that he chose us and that we are blameless before him in love. Verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, people are afraid. I mean, there's theology books after theology books. 
that are written on predestination, that are written on election, that are written on free will. You know, they can uh, try to define all that, but I'm going to stick to what the scripture says here. So God says, having predestined us to adoption. Predestination is like God marked out a path for you and me to come to a place where we experience his grace and that we choose him. Because remember, before this verse, he said he chose us. And that choosing us is universal. It doesn't matter who you are or what background you are. God said in John chapter 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever, you can debate me all you want, we're elected, God only chooses certain people. Yes, it says that in the Bible, but then John three sixteen, whoever, whoever comes to him, whoever comes to him. So we see that God chose us and we choose him. God marked a path for us to come to know him as adoption, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was his will to make a way to redeem his people by Jesus. It was God's will. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made accepted in the beloved. It pleased God to have this plan for us to come to know him, to come to the faith, to understand that we belong to God, to understand and know that. So in those, cha- in those verses right there, we see that God the Father had a plan for the church, and the church is people, it's you and me. So before the foundation of the world, he planned it all out that Jesus was going to come to earth and live the perfect life, be the perfect sacrifice to die on the cross, and, I, and that his grace was available, and all that we have to do is put our trust and faith in him. And that we become one of his sons and daughters. So God the Father had a plan before the foundation of the world. And now we're going to see that God, the Son, Jesus, paid the price for the church. Verse 7. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I want to spend a few minutes on this chapter, on this verse, because it's really important. We come to a person, right? We come to a person, not a religion, not to rules, not to an organization, not to a club, not to a denomination or a non-denomination. We come to a person, and his name is Jesus. And it says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Before you knew and understand who Jesus was, we were lost in our sin. What do you have to do to go to hell? Nothing. You're headed there. You don't have to do anything. You live your life the best you can. Unless you put your faith in Christ, you will go to hell. There's nothing you can do to earn or make your way to have favor with God. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And look at this, redemption through his blood. Sometimes we skip that as believers. Somebody died for you and I to have a relationship with the Father. And that's his son, Jesus. He shed his blood. I would never give my daughter 
to die for any one of you or any or myself or anybody. You know, she's the most, well, she and my wife are the most important things, people in my life. I would never sacrifice that. I'd rather die before they die. And yet, God saw there was no way for mankind to come to know him. Before the foundation of the world, he planned that Jesus would come down to earth, live the perfect life, be the perfect sacrifice that you and I can put our faith in, and that's why we are in Christ. The forgiveness of sins. What are you going to do with your sins? I can see we're all, we've all come to this, you know, we've all come here on Sundays and Wednesdays, and we're saved. Thank God for that. But what are people going to do with their sins? Jesus had to die because what? There's sins, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. There's going to come a time when God's going to judge this world. I mean, think about it. I'm 50 years old. Oh, my goodness. 50 more years, I'm probably not even going to be here. You know? And what is everything that I've done in this world? What, what is it going to matter? You know, the amount of money I can make, all the relationships, all the things the world looks after. What are you going to do with that when you die? What are you going to do with your sin? How are you going to enter into God's heaven? There's only one way, the forgiveness of sins. And before we even come to him, we we must understand that we are sinners, right? We are sinners. We're saved by grace. And, you know, in the Samoan culture, in the islands, Christianity is very, I mean, it's, it's esteemed. But yet, I think, in our culture, back in the islands, and even here in the U.S. of A., is we put a religious thing before Jesus. Like, I've got, I've got to work, I've got to do this, I've got to go to church, you know, I've got to read my Bible. Those are all good, perfect, but if Jesus is not involved, those are all in vain. So we have to put our faith in Jesus. So verse 8, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So God brought Jesus, he redeemed us, he forgiven us of our sins, he poured his grace, and he made it to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, prudence, understanding. So not only did he save us, but when you get saved, God the Holy Spirit pours out his love into you, as Romans chapter 5 says. When you get saved, you have all the fullness of God come into you. You're not going to have the knowledge yet because you're a baby and you're just growing, but Everything that you need in order to be grown up and to become an adult in the faith is in you. And I think we kind of forget that because, you know, when life happens, when life, when life happens and it gets hard, it's like easily we take our eyes off Jesus and we put it on ourselves. What can we do to solve this situation? Like even we're experiencing right now, what can, we're going through this COVID thing, everybody's in lockdown or most of the country, and nobody has answers for what's going on. What, 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 who do we turn to? 
And God says he's given us understanding of all the spiritual things to help us in this life. In verse 9, it says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. The mystery of the wit of his will is that the church was going to come and be birthed into existence. Salvation, revelation. In verse 10, it says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So dispensation, this is a period of time that God does work, right? When he, like Adam and Eve, they have their period of time, and then you have the patriarchs come in, you have Moses. Those were all period of times when God was working. And then when Jesus appeared on the scene, you had uh, John before him um, was being used to usher in Jesus so that the people of Israel and us would ultimately be saved. So in God's economy, in the fullness of the times, he was going to gather everyone, gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Jesus. Verse 11, 12, in Jesus also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, there's that word again, being predestined, and this is according to um, God saved people, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So Paul is making a point here that God the Father had planned everything out to bring the church into existence for you and I. And how did he do that? Jesus paid the price for the church. So we find acceptance in Jesus. And now we find security because not only did Jesus save us or that we have obtained all the spiritual blessings, but verse 13 is pretty awesome. So Ephesians 1, 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. If you don't have that underlined, I would suggest you underline that verse. That is a powerful verse. So we find security in the work of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit builds and protects the church. God the Father is building this church here on earth. We're not gone yet because he's not done building the church. There's many more people that are lost that are coming to the church, his true church, his kingdom. And until the very last one comes and be, and we're going to be ushered out of here, he's still building the church, right? He saved every one of us in order to build his church. Every one of us has a part in his kingdom. Every one of us can make an impact for him in his kingdom. So God, the Holy Spirit, is building his church. Not only that, he's a comforter. He's a helper. He protects his church. And I pray that for myself, that, you know, it's a good thing to pray to be filled with this Holy Spirit, to give you knowledge and wisdom, to accomplish the things that are not wisdom in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes. In Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. The gospel is Jesus. We hear 
about the gospel, we believe, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ain't that amazing, you guys? Just this verse alone, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I love to pray that. God, thank you that you've saved me and that you sealed me. And I really believe, this is what I believe, I mean, I, and I get this from Scripture, once you're saved, you're always saved. Because why? It's not your work. If you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, He can't unseal you. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. You can go, you can be sealed with the Holy Spirit, you put faith in God, you trust Him, and now you have the knowledge, you have the wisdom that God has poured into you, and you know what's right, what's wrong, you know what's righteous, how to live holy before him, but yet you go back to your old ways, you're going to be the most miserable person on earth because you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that you've quenched the Holy Spirit from his power in you until you come to the realization, man, God, I'm sorry I've hurt you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may be empowered to walk in the Spirit. And that's why I believe once saved, always saved. The thing is, you talk about, you know, I hear, you know, Christian brothers and sisters say, man, they've walked away from God. The thing is, were they sealed with the Holy Spirit in the first place? Did they truly belong to God? Because it's not our work to keep our salvation, right? It's not our work. It's God's work. And right there, that's why you should underline this verse and you should go to it when you have doubts about your salvation, when you're walking and you don't feel like you're, you belong to God. It says right there you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing. Once you're sealed, there's nothing that you can do to lose your salvation. The question is, were you sealed with the Holy Spirit? In the book of 1 John, it tells us, well, because people were walking away from from the faith, they were walking away from Jesus, and John says, they were never of us to begin with. And that's why we see, that's why we see, you know, in our lifetime, we have uh, people that we know came to the faith, and then you don't see them no more. The thing is, were they sealed with the Holy Spirit? And that's what encourages me. I'm never going to lose my salvation. I don't care how messed up my thinking is, my doubts are, all that stuff, because I know for a fact, and I know, I know because the Bible told me so, that Jesus sealed me with his Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is the guarantee? Not only that, not only does he seal you, but he guarantees it of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You know, it really kind of irks me when brothers and sisters or you belong to God and you don't feel accepted, you don't feel secured, you don't feel like Jesus is walking walking with you or you don't feel the power of God. And my thing is, have you read what God said about you? Have you read that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your inheritance? 
until he comes and takes us home? You are bought by the blood of Jesus, and there's nothing you can do but take that away. The devil comes in and, you know, flips fiery darts in our minds and in our thoughts. Man, I messed up. I messed up with this sin. And I'm just thinking about just this month alone. How many times have I messed up? How many times have I ruined my testimony before God? With the behavior or the language or my attitude, my motives, how messed up they were. And then the enemy could come in, man, you, you call yourself a Christian, you acted like this. You call yourself a Christian and you're thinking this, these certain thoughts. That is the enemy. When those thoughts come in, I love to say, I belong to God, I'm his. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. God grant me power to overcome these thoughts. Once saved, you're always saved. Because why? You are in Christ You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Our security is the Spirit of God. And then Paul closes out with his prayer. Verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul was a man of prayer. In our prayer, we should start off our prayers, sometimes we just... In the mornings, I like, I just like to thank God for a new morning that I have a job in the midst of this COVID. I thank God that we have a, a house to live in, a car to drive. We have health. I'm not in the hospital. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you for Calvary Chapel. Thank you for the brothers and sisters. When we start off our morning just thanking God for who he is, it just changes your day. It's like, You know, like nothing bothers you going through the day, no matter what fiery darts the enemy throws at you, because you realize that you belong to him and that you thank him for that day. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Isn't that a great thing to pray, not only for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters? God, please give Alex the wisdom and knowledge of you, God, that he would know you more. And sometimes we need to pray that before, please, God, give Alex a job or help him to be a better person. No, God, give him the knowledge, the understanding of Jesus, because once he understands Jesus more, he's going to love his wife more. He's going to be the best worker he can do. He's going to do everything better because his love for Jesus. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope, his calling, what are the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints. Sometimes we as believers, we don't recognize who we are in Jesus. We don't understand that he really loves us that we are important to him, that we belong to him. If you find your contentment in Jesus, you don't need anything else or anyone else to be content in because your contentment is from the one who gives life, and that is Jesus Christ. 
And now we come to the very last uh, verses 19 to 23. You are significant. How significant we are in Christ, right? What is the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? God is always at work in us, guys. We should pray for the power of God's spirit that's available to us. Verse 20 says, which he worked in Christ when he raised Jesus from the dead and sealed him and seated Jesus at the right hand in the heavenly places. So God had a plan for you and I to come to know him. He had a plan for the church. Jesus paid the price for the church. The Holy Spirit protects, builds the church, you and I. And Paul's trying to emphasize to these guys, to this church, and I want to emphasize to us as believers, we are significant in God's eyes. Don't ever get to a place where you're just like, man, I'm just another, I don't feel important. I don't feel I'm accepted or loved. Because that's the work of the enemy. God in his scriptures tells us how important we are. And Paul is telling these guys, man, change the way that you think about yourself. Because Christ, when he raised, when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he's seated right there next to the Father interceding for you and I. What is Jesus' ministry now? He is interceding for you and I. Verse 21, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also which is to come. Jesus is going to be the ultimate ruler. He's the king. Everything else will fail. We read in history how all these kingdoms come and go. The U.S. is barely starting off. I mean, we're not really that old of a country. But where are we going to be at 100 years from now? Are we even going to be here? There, you know, the Bible doesn't even mention anything about the U.S. Kingdoms are going to come and go, but Jesus will always be there. In verse 22, and he put all things, God the Father put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Scripture says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We have done that already because we recognize and we acknowledge that, and that's how we come to salvation. But there are people in this world that don't want anything to do with God. They're too smart for the Father, too smart for his kingdom, or they just blatantly love sin. But yet, the Bible tells us they will confess, every knee will bow. And confess that Jesus is Lord. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This morning you are accepted, secure, significant because what? You are in Christ Jesus. The question is, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? As we close, I really, I like affirmations. I like to affirm my faith. I like to speak it out loud. And the reason why I want to voice it, not only to myself, to my spirit, to and have the Holy Spirit voice those to me that I belong to God. And these are my affirmations, who I am in Christ, right? 
Who are you in Christ? You're accepted. You're God's child. As a disciple, you are a friend of Jesus. You have been justified, declared righteous. You are united with the Lord. You are one with him in spirit. You have been bought with a price and you belong to God. As a member of Christ's body, you have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Jesus. I have direct access to the Father. If I'm in my car and I have a difficult day, if I'm at work and have a difficult day, I have direct access to God. I am secure in Jesus. I am free from condemnation, not only from the devil in this world, from my thoughts. I am free from condemnation. I'm assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I'm free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God, as we read. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I'm confident that God will complete the good work that he started in me. I am a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of this earth. I have not been given the spirit, spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I'm significant. You are significant. Why? Because I am a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine and the channel of his life. While I'm here on this earth. Why are you significant? Because you have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. And what is fruit? Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we live like that, it's attractive to others. Then we could tell them about Jesus and they could come and taste the good fruit. I'm God's temple. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. We have, a, we have a duty here on earth to reconcile the loss to God. I'm significant because I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms. Because I am God's workmanship. I'm used by God here on this earth. And that I may approach God with freedom and confidence. And that I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I pray that you were encouraged, that you felt accepted, secured, significant. If you haven't, go out this morning, be encouraged. God is for you, not against you, if you are in Christ. Amen? Let's pray and uh, we'll close out with worship. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for your scriptures. God, you've given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's Jesus being in Christ. God, you've given us wisdom and understanding. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to walk in you. Help us to find our identity in you, Father, nothing else, not in relationships, not in circumstances, not in status, only in you, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, God, that you would do mighty work into, in their lives this week, that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to live this life for you, that you would be glorified. Thank you so much that we are a channel of Jesus while we're here on this earth. Tomorrow's not promised. 
Help us to live our life abundantly for your kingdom today. I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to bless us as we bless you back this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.